You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. All right, let's, um, let's get right into this message today. We're continuing with the story of Jesus, uh, who is our rescuer. Um, and we're, we're finding ourselves in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. And um, this is sort of the next event after the baptism. Jesus, from his baptism, is led right out into uh, the desert. And uh, there he fasts for 40 days. And um, at that point in time, he is tempted. All right. So uh, let's just pick that story up this morning and let's begin reading in Matthew chapter 4. And I'd like to read that, that little segment of 11 verses for you. And then I would like to pray. I'm actually, uh, are you able to put that up uh, on the screen? We'll just read it right off the screen this morning rather than from the translation I have here at the podium. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning knowing full well that there's a battle going on in the lives and the hearts of every person sitting here in this room. That every mind is being attacked. That emotions are being challenged, hit. But I come to you this morning fully assured that the authority of your Son, Jesus Christ, rests upon us. So I ask you to help us that this morning your word is open to our hearts and our minds in such a, a phenomenal way. I pray that this morning we are able to see through the example of Christ an opportunity to receive hope and faith like no other. That this morning as we see how Christ handled the temptations in the wilderness desert, that this will inspire us, it will teach us, it will encourage us, it will build us up. I pray that this morning our eyes are open to this phenomenal war that went on in this desert place realizing that indeed Jesus is the Son of God 
to realize that indeed he is victorious over death, hell, and that as a resurrected Savior, we are able to live in that power that he brings to us. So I ask you this morning that you would do an amazing work in every one of us. Let these next few moments be powerful in the transforming of our minds, the renewing of our lives. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask only that the Lordship of Jesus Christ reign in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, Temptation has been a constant. I want you to understand this morning that being tempted in and of itself is not sinful. It's when we give in to that temptation that it becomes sin. But temptation itself is just, just an unrelentless part of our human life. We are, we are constantly tempted. I'm very aware of the temptations that beset me daily. And uh, the things that I battle, the things that I have to deal with. And I could, I could proceed to name you a long list of temptations that hit me constantly. And I'm sure you have your own list as well. And I'm amazed at how much I and, and you and we try to avoid, we try to resist, we try to ignore. But, uh, but there's not a person on the face of the earth that's ever been found that that can find themselves in any circumstance that will make them safe from temptation. It is going to come. You are going to be tempted in this life. It is a reality. And so, it isn't, it isn't any good for you and I to try to find ways to run from it, necessarily. But we need to understand how to deal with it. How, how to live in the midst of it and how to be an overcomer as the enemy uh, assaults us with particular temptations. And your temptations may be very different than my temptations, okay? Uh, how the enemy approaches you, how the enemy uh, assails you, how the enemy tries to hook you can be very different. Uh, and it can be different from person to person. But, but the reality is that all of us have been and will again be tempted, all right? And I think that this particular passage here that, that we read together is one of the sort of monumental and mysterious passages that, that, are a, that is about a spiritual battle, all right? And I think this is the big battle. I think this is the, 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 the really big one here. And, um, and so it is this confrontation that is taking place between Jesus and between Satan. And, and the, the temptations are directed towards Christ in this, this wilderness of Judea. And I'm going to try to describe and, and paint you a little picture of that here in a moment. Um, but I want you to understand that he was entirely alone. There was no one with him at this particular point in time. Um, and, and so uh, the, the first question raised is, well, how do we know about this? Surely he, he told the disciples about this event, this encounter he shared it with them, obviously, in great detail. And Matthew gives us this account that we are reading today, all right? Uh, Mark also talks about it as well. And he, he uses a little bit more, I think, it seems like to me, a more forceful term 
uh, here we have this, this moment when after, as Pastor Dave preached to you last week, Jesus is baptized, where the, the, the Spirit of God leads him into this desert. And I believe it's Mark's passage that actually gives this kind of idea that he is sort of driven. He's sort of, he's sort of being pushed into this place, all right? That's, that is even more significant uh, sort of to our theology, I think. And I'm not going to get into the depths of theology. Uh, I'm going to defer all of those questions to Christina today, all right, um, and let her handle that for you. Um, Pastor Dave and I, we sat in her class, and, and so we, we went through class. Now you can, you can uh, get her discourse as well. So if you have deep theological questions uh, concerning Jesus as the Son of God, then you go to Christina today, all right? And, you, and she, will, she will answer all of your questions. She will take care of everything for you. It will be a wonderful moment in time, all right? I, I on the other hand, am going to try to, to give you this, this more practical uh, uh, presentation this morning of this story and talk to you a little bit about being an overcomer and, and how we do that, all right? Um, but, but I want you to understand that, that, that Jesus is alone here. Uh, he has obviously shared these events with the disciples and they're sharing them with us. And I think there's a, there's a tremendous purpose in that. The disciples who wrote the Gospels felt that it was very important for us to have this information and to understand that this dramatic encounter, this war, took place in the desert with Jesus and with Satan. And I believe that, that Matthew's purpose here uh, in recounting these events is, is obviously to demonstrate the, the pattern of Jesus' victory over temptation and sin, that we look at how this went about, all right? Uh, but I also believe that, that Matthew is wanting us to see that indeed Jesus is the Son of God, all right? That there's a, there's a very important message coming across to us here, all right? And so we're going to look at this temptation of Christ in the wilderness and, uh, and draw some of these conclusions here this morning, all right? Um, I do believe that it was indeed God that that led Jesus into the wilderness through the, the person of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God understood what was going on, expected this event to come out the way it did. Um, and I want, I want us to understand that uh, Pastor Dave did such a good job, so I don't want to rehearse the things of the baptism, but I want you to understand that this is a very significant point. Jesus is baptized. He is put down in the water. He is raised up out of the water. Pastor Dave gave you all the symbolism of all of that and the implications of that. All right. And Jesus is there coming out of the water and the heavens open. And this, this beautiful moment in which God the Father speaks down out of heaven and, and releases the Holy Spirit comes in this, this imagery of a dove. And uh, God speaks and says, this is my son. This is the one I love. This is my son. I am pleased with him. And I think that is extremely, extremely important. And the beauty here is that, that Jesus is coming up out of this baptism facing the cross, facing death and the resurrection. He is going to give his life for the sins of mankind. And so he is, in a sense, washed and He is brought forth. He is the perfected Lamb. We understand from the Old Testament that a spotless Lamb is required for a sin offering. Jesus is the Son of God, the spotless, washed, prepared Lamb for the death and the resurrection. He is going to die for our sins. 
Big event, major event in the life of Jesus Christ, I believe. And immediately, as God allows him, even leads him into the desert, the enemy comes. Now, Jesus is there for a period of 40 days and 40 nights, it says, and he is without food. I'm going to say this to you, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I am not boasting at this moment. Please understand that. I'm not boasting at this moment. There's no boast in the statement I'm about to make to you, okay? I have fasted for 40 days. I, I, I don't know what Jesus personally went through, but I know what it is to go through 40 days without food. And, and uh, I, I understand the, the weakness of that. Another brother sitting here went through that 40-day fast with me. I asked him to go through it with me, and he agreed to do that. Um, and I not only watched myself, you know, uh, my, I, I, I watched my, my, my belt get tighter and tighter as I, I lost a substantial amount of weight, but I saw my brother do the same thing. Each week he would come in and there would be a, a, another hole in his belt and the belt would be sort of, you know, flopping over here. He was just getting smaller and smaller. And I was getting very concerned about his health and, and even my health to some degree. And um, I did, a, I did a, a, a thing that I wouldn't recommend to anyone else to do, but I, I agreed to a, a, a speaking engagement across the state during this 40-day period, actually at the very end of it. So I finished the 40 days in, in Rapid City alone. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, I drove back to Sioux Falls the evening after speaking. I got in my car and drove back on the, on the 40th day of the, the fast. And I remember, I remember standing at the podium for this conference that I was speaking at, and, and I remember that I, I, I first started to lean on the side because I was feeling quite weak. And before I had finished the, the teaching that I was doing, I was leaning on the podium like I was resting. I had even moved myself up so that I could kind of like hang onto this podium. Because, and then I'm out of, in the middle of the conference, I just made this, statement that was just so not appropriate and I just said oh I feel like my body is just eating itself <laughs> these people didn't know I had fasted before they didn't know this was a 40th day of a fast you know you don't you're not supposed to tell people you fast and so I'm doing this teaching about the Holy Spirit and in the middle of the teaching I just looked at them and I said oh I just feel like my body is just eating itself and there were ladies sitting on the front row and they were like, whoo! <laughs> and it was not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know? uh, so, but I, I identify with the weakness. I identify with, with this, this, this just inability to have any, to pull up any measure of strength. All right? And this great need for, for food, this desire for, for food. I had been hungry. I, I don't know if I experienced it the same way as, a, as some scholars write about it and medical people write about it, but they say that, that you know, initially there's this, this, this binge, uh, 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 this, this need for, for food. You, you have this, this intense hunger and, and you almost just want to binge for, for food. You just want anything. And then after a few days that passes, and I suppose that's true, um, but then later it comes back with greater uh, tenacity. You know, it, it's, just, it's, it's just more intense and the feeling and the drive is, is even greater. And, and I, I probably felt that on, on a, a few different occasions, you know. Um, but, but what I'm saying here is, is that Jesus was in a very compromised 
place, our position from, from humanity's standpoint. He was feeling weak. He was feeling hungry. He was feeling alone. He was feeling isolated, if you will. And it, it said that this particular area where he was at, that this area was very, very much uh, a, a true desert place. And the sun would be scorching hot during the day and then in the night it could be very cold and so physically he was in a place where the elements were against him so everything about this is pointing to this assault on the physical body all right uh, so that it is feeling weak and it is feeling run down and perhaps feeling um, the emotional side of it as well feeling isolated feeling alone all of that. And yet God leads him into this place. God brings him in. The Holy Spirit drives him, pushes him into this particular place for such a time as this. And at the end of this 40 days, Satan comes to him. Now, I, I, want, I want to try to get you to understand something this morning. And, and this is what I believe. I do not believe that God tempted his son. Even though he drove him to this place, I do not believe that God tempted his son. He, he can't tempt his son. But I do believe that God allowed the Christ to be tested in this place. And he allowed this exchange with the enemy to go on. And, and Jesus was indeed tested in this place. Um, let, me, let me try to give you an example of what I'm trying to say here. When in the early years of the expansion in the United States, the railroad uh, took on a very arduous task of, of, of going west. And so there was the building of the railroads all across America. And the Union Pacific Railroad uh, was being constructed uh, at, at one particular time in our history. And it, the Union Pacific was sort of known to build some pretty elaborate trestles, some bridges across certain areas uh, in, the, in the country. Um, and so they were building a particular uh, trestle or bridge across um, a, a large canyon out, out west. And, um, and so this guy, this contractor, this, con this, this construction guy, he was wanting to, to test the bridge and so as soon as, as they have built it, he asked or directed uh, the engineer. He said, he said, I want you to get on this train. I want you, to, I want you to, to hook up enough cars here, bring enough cars and hook them up so that when you cross this trestle, when you get the train onto the bridge, I want you to stop it. And I want there to be enough of a payload on this train that it would be twice the ordinary payload. So whatever you anticipate is going to be generally, on the average, the payload of this particular train, these particular trains going across this, this bridge, this trestle. I want double that, and I want you to sit it on there, and I want you to stop the train and get off. I want you to walk off the track. And, uh, and he says, I want it to stay there for a day. I want a, I want a full cycle of a day to transpire before we remove the train. And so this businessman who was investing comes along during all of this dialogue and, and he said, so what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, to break the bridge? And he goes, no, I would never try to break a bridge. 
I am trying to prove that this bridge will not break. And I, I want to submit to you that that is a different motive. Very different motive. And God was not trying to test, I mean, tempt His Son. He was not at all looking, nor was the Holy Spirit in any way saying by driving Him into this place and allowing this temptation and this battle to happen. Was He saying, okay, we better check it out and make sure Jesus can stand. This is not what's happening here. It isn't, it isn't a, a, a quandary. It isn't a question. It isn't, there isn't doubt in the heart of the Father here at all. This is a situation where he's saying, I am going to prove this is my son whom I am well pleased. Uh, this is not my son in whom I doubt. This is not my son whom I'm not sure about. This is not my son whom, oh, could or could not make it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And now I'm going to validate that over here in this desert, in this 40-day and 40-night experience, and I'm going to prove that my son can overcome. And here's what I believe for you and I. I do not believe, according to Scriptures, and we're going to... Can, can you put the Scriptures up from 1 Corinthians for me? I want you today to have a position, and that is... That God is not here to try to catch you. God is not here to try to make you fall. God is not here to try to trip you up. God is not here to, to try to do anything bad to you. And God does not bring temptation into your life. But He will allow... He is not the author of it. But He will allow it to come in order to prove you. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Under the pressure of that temptation, you are able to stand. And so I want you to, to see here that, that from this from this from the Father's affirmation, from this affirmation uh, of Jesus at His baptism to this, this, this temptation in the desert wilderness, God is never in doubt of His Son's ability to fulfill His purpose. Uh, the, the events, please understand, the events in the life of Christ that we are giving to you, and we're not giving you necessarily all of the, them, nor in, in, in all the detail of them, but, but never are the events that we are giving to you to be viewed as random or haphazard. Everything about the life of Jesus is building here. It is building to this amazing climactic moment of death and resurrection. Everything about his life is, is a, a process of preparing him to go to that place as the Son of God. The perfect lamb. The, the, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, all right? And I believe that you and I are able to take this text and take this scripture and, and make these some, some very real practical applications here. I believe that there are some things that are exposed about Satan here and some of his tactics that we need, need to look at. All right. So let us do that for just a, a few moments here. Let us look at these three temptations here for just a moment. All right. The first one that we see here is seeing Christ being very victorious over 
over a, a place of passion and self-gratification, which I think is quite interesting. He is spent physically and perhaps even in some ways emotionally. The Bible says he hungered. He was hungry. There is no doubt about that. He's gone with food, without food for 40 days and 40 nights. He's been in this terrible wilderness. And so we see him here being led by the Spirit, verse 1 says, into this desert and being tempted by the devil. He is hungry here. And so the devil comes to him. It says the tempter came to him, all right, in verse 3. And it says that he says to him, if you are, the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? If you are the Son of God. And you, we could give you a whole sermon on the parallels of Genesis 3 and, and the temptation with Adam and Eve and the temptation here of the new man. All right? We're not going to do that today. But, but isn't it interesting that the enemy is using, the, Satan is using some of the same kind of, of inroads here and trying to cast doubt on God and make God sort of uh, uh, one that, that we are sort of having to, to spar with or, or at least doubt that he is as good as, as he says he is or that he's withholding something from us or that there's more for us only to get us if we doubt him to then say, you know what, I know what's best for me and move away from this place of, of, of being sons and daughters. All right? And so we see this kind of thing going on because Jesus is coming up out of the water and he's hearing his own father and his father is speaking out of heaven. The people around them can hear it. It is, this is my son. And so Satan comes in and says, well, if you are the son of God, an immediate attempt to, to cast the, the, the doubt if you are the son of God. All right. And here's what I want you to understand is that in your life and my life, I'm, I'm very convinced this is what the enemy is wanting to do. The enemy is wanting to come in with whatever variety of temptations may be most um, tailored to you and your situation and your experience. He will come in and he will try to move you away from your identity as a son or a daughter of God. His intent is to try to get you to see as he tries to move you further and further away is that God is withholding something from you and you actually know better than he does what you need and you need to go get what you need. That is the big lie is that it's not vital for you to depend upon God because you're not really a son or a daughter. And I want, I want to challenge that today as we talk about this particular passage in the life of Jesus. And we see how He overcame here. So if you are the Son of God, all right, knowing that He's hungry, he said, then you just tell these stones to be bread. You, just, you turn them into bread. You, co you command them to be bread. You, you, you do what it takes. Satan waited until these conditions were, were just right before he began this sort of onslaught of temptations. He's hungry. Okay, that's the first place I'm going to go. And I want to say this to you, that you can learn from this, that, it, generally speaking, temptation is tailored to the individual, to your situation. I, I don't want you going around always navel-gazing. By that I mean always looking at your, looking into yourself, 
Some eyes just went really big when I said that. <laughs> no, this is not a beach moment, okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't want you looking all the way, all the time introspective, all the time looking at yourself. I think we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what the Bible says that, that we need to do. So I don't want you to be, I don't want us to be that kind of church, all right? We're not going to be this extreme introspective church where we're always looking at ourselves and we're always evaluating and we're always seeing all the shadows and, and whatever. No, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus, but I want you to understand your weaknesses. I want you to understand those places in your life where you are susceptible. I want you to understand those things where the enemy can come in because that's where he's going to come in. If you're a young woman sitting on this, in this sanctuary this morning and you're thinking, uh, you know, there's some things that I really don't have to worry about like I never would look at porn, then the enemy's probably not going to tempt you in that area. If you're a young man sitting here today and that's been something that's been a uh, sort of a problem in your early life around puberty or whatever. You got hooked into the internet and, and saw some images and so your mind's wandering and you've gone back and visited and so it, 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 you feel it, you know, you hear guys talk about this and, and I, I realize that I just, I, I sort of made that a gender thing and it's not anymore. It's, it, statistics, statistics have shown and demonstrated recently that uh, the rise in pornography and its addictive uh, elements are just as powerful to women and more and more women are being drawn into internet pornography and sites are now even being catered to women uh, in the porn industry. So it is, it is a problem for, for ladies too. So I'm not, not in any way, I, I didn't mean to, to, to do that, okay, in, in this, this illustration. But what, what I want you to understand is that, that I, I have sat with guys and I've heard them say, you know, I can get on the computer and when I click the on, when I'm turning it on, when I press that little button to turn the computer on, already I feel something inside of me. And it's like, it's almost like something's calling me. And I know that out there somewhere in the internet world of the web, there are these places. I already know it. I remember listening to my uncles years ago before the internet. And we would say, the county fair's coming. And I knew what my uncles were doing. They were talking about the strip show that was going to be there already it was like it was, it was calling to them and, 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 and I have two uncles that were very weak in that particular area of sin and as soon as someone would mention the carnival I was I was sneaky but I'd I'd look because I would see the two of them look at each other and their countenance would change why because the enemy knew exactly where they were and he, he was already in there. I know, I know, I know how to get him. And he hooks him. So what I'm trying to get you to understand today is you need to be aware of those places where the enemy wants to come in and get a hold of you. You, you need to, to be ready because temptation is tailored just as it was in this particular situation for Jesus. He is hungry. All right, we'll just make the, the, the bread 
uh, the, the stones turn to bread. That's, that's all you've got to do. And Jesus comes back. And this is, this is, this is the beauty of, of what he does here. You see the, the, the pattern, all right? The, the pattern of the enemy and then the pattern of Jesus. And so we learn something from this, all right? So we learn now that temptation can be tailored to our particular situation. And so we need to be very aware of what it is that can really draw us. But Jesus turns back on the enemy here and he says, listen. Man does not live on bread alone. Deuteronomy 8, 3. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn something back on you. I'm going to turn Scripture back on you, Satan. And so he buffets Satan in this temptation and overcomes this temptation. He doesn't succumb. He overcomes. And I want to say to you, you can too. You can too. In every situation, you can too. I really believe that in my heart. I believe that we can overcome. We are prone to fail. We are humans. We sin. But I believe that we have the ability to overcome. And I believe if we start to realize and operate out of the position that we are in as sons and daughters of God, it will make a huge difference. If we even, even just positioning ourselves there, rather than positioning ourselves in the place of being a victim of sin. Well, that's all I am. I'm a sinner. No, you're not. You're a saint. You are a saint. And you need to start seeing yourself as a saint, not as a sinner. You're a saint, and you have the potential to sin. And the beauty in that is not that you can sin, but that you have forgiveness. (laughs) The beauty is in Jesus, not in you. It isn't in anything that you can do. All right? But it is in Jesus Christ. So he thwarts this temptation by the reading of Scripture. And this is the other thing I want you to learn this morning. We're so running out of time. Temptation can be resisted, and it can be resisted in particular by Scripture. This is the method that Jesus used. Try it, for crying out loud. This is an answer. This is a way. I believe this has been given to you and I so that we can see what is the potential there for us to overcome. Here's the problem with that is you can't use something you don't possess. And I'm sorry, but when you're in that moment of temptation, when you're in that place where the enemy... Gentlemen, I'm going to use you as an example, okay? When you're on the street somewhere or in that restaurant or that pub or that whatever and you're, you're having your meal or whatever and your wife is either in the restroom or she's not along on the trip or you haven't seen her for two weeks and, you, and, and, and I'm speaking in particular to husbands right now and, and you haven't been sexual with your wife or whatever and, and that's an area of weakness for you and some little sweetheart comes walking by and, and she's not a believer and she's not dressing like a believer and she's not acting like a believer mainly because she's not a believer. <laughs> you know, and you can't go, excuse me, but you need to dress like a Christian. Oh no, she doesn't have to. She's not one. Alright? But you look at her and something calls to you? Friend, you don't have the privilege that moment to go, you know, honey, you need to go back there and just wait a minute before you walk by and I I need to go get my Bible because I'm going to need to rebuke the enemy here for just a moment and I need to find my scripture. 
That is not going to work. What is your weakness? What does the Scripture say about it? How can you overcome it through Scripture? How can you overcome it through Christ? And you need to have a plan in place. You need to have something there in place for you so that you can fight this battle because it is going to wage against you. It is waging against you. And I, I don't mean just to talk about sexual sins today. There are lots of other kinds of sins. Those are my examples today. I chose them because I believe this is a huge problem uh, in the church as well as outside the church. Okay, So I, I, I purposely did choose these examples. But there are many, many other kinds of sins and there are many, many ways in which the enemy will tempt you. But you can resist him. You can resist him with Scripture. And uh, as you do that, as you use Scripture, I mean, Satan used Scripture, but he didn't use it exactly right. He used it actually to tempt God, to get Jesus to tempt God. And that is not the way we are to use Scripture. All right, Christ then is tempted right behind that. He comes right back behind him, and he, he's, he's tempted towards uh, uh, sort of pride and presumption and all of that. Um, Satan takes Jesus to the temple, the highest point, if you will, from the temple, and he proceeds then to tempt him again. Um, and this is sort of like probably a follow-up to the first temptation, you know. He's working, he's trying to, to hammer in there, if you will, all right. And, and so this is, this is his response to Jesus then, and, and it's sort of like he's saying something like, okay, so you trust your father? I mean, he's always framing this in, in questions in my life, and, and it seems like that in the life of Jesus, and he certainly did with, with Adam and Eve. So he's, he's probably here coming from this angle of like, well, let's see just how much do you trust God. Uh, if, you, if you won't work a miracle for yourself, then let's see you work, uh, 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 let, let's let the Father work one for you, all right? After all, he is saying that you are his son, if you are, then the kingdom is yours. You're going to have the kingdom. You're going to, a kingdom is going to be established for you someday. Well, why don't we just go ahead and make it happen? Let's just, let's just do it. And, and, he, and he presents this plan. All right? He, he actually presents a plan here. And he says, if you are the Son of God, I want, you to, I want you to get all of this stuff. Now, he's, the, the second temptation was one of trusting God to take care of it. If you are, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. He'll take care of you. Even he quotes these scriptures to him, all right? But then this third temptation that comes in after that is this idea of, wow, you can have it all. You can have it now. This self-gratification thing. All right? So, he's saying, take care of yourself. Self-gratification feeds your own body. Then, let's talk about these trust issues with, with the Father. Is He going to take care of you? He says He will. Why don't you, why don't you prove it? Prove Him. And, and Jesus comes back and says, we are not to tempt the Lord our God. We're not, we're not to tempt Him. Don't put Him to the test, some translation says. And then he goes back and he puts him on this high mountain. He shows him all these kingdoms of the world, all their splendor, it says. He says, all of this can be yours. All you got to do is bow down and worship. What do you got to worship? Me. He says, worship me. What he's saying is you can have this. You can have, you can have a, 
a promise, but you can have it now. The only difference is, instead of worshiping God, you're going to worship me. And, and here's what I, I'm trying to get through this really fast here at the end here, but what I want you to understand is that, that there's always seemingly, with, with Satan, this issue of worship. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be exalted. And so it comes right down to the end, and that's what he's saying. All you got to do is you got to worship me. That's all you need to do. And it all can be yours. You can have it all. You can have it now. The Father may wait too long if He is your Father. I want to challenge you and I that we not get ahead of God. We've said that so many times. But I want to challenge you and I that we fit ourselves in the position of worship. That we lay down any desire to try to ask God to prove Himself to us. That we live out of true and genuine faith. If you, if you know what your weaknesses are, and you know Scripture to combat those weaknesses, and in those places where the enemy assaults you, you do not rely on God in a wrong way. You do not try to force Him to show up or to prove himself in some way, but you trust him and his word. And then you worship him. I just don't think you can go wrong. I think that's a marvelous, marvelous strategy to be an overcomer, to get over things that the enemy assaults you with. And I think that's the, that, you know, definitely it comes out of sonship. It comes out of daughtership. It comes out of your relationship with the Father. And you have that. And I know that it didn't happen the way it did with Jesus, but I believe I've baptized many of you. Either I or Pastor Dave or, or the two of us together have baptized many of you. Some of you, we baptized you a second time because you wanted to be baptized again. We didn't have a problem with that. All right? So we did it. Okay? Uh, but, but when you went down in that water in baptism and you came up, I know that there was not some kind of, you know, really, really crazy, miraculous thing that went on there in that moment. But yet there was this wonderfully crazy, mysterious thing that happened there that was so beautiful. And that was that even though a verbal voice was not heard by the rest of us, I'm confident God was saying, this is my son. This is my daughter. I am well pleased. And I know that your intent is to please him. Your desire is to, to be honorable, to please God. But see, that is the very thing that causes this battle to come about. The same enemy that wanted to get the son to displease the father and even to take that relationship and destroy it, a father and son, is after you in the same manner. He wants very much to move you from seeing yourself as a son or daughter of the father in heaven. And he will do everything he can to try to do that. And he will distort scripture and he will tell you lies and he will create circumstances and situations to tempt you. 
and the beauty about our Father, our Heavenly Father who loves us and will give us no evil thing is that He will actually in His grace and His goodness and His mercy allow you to enter some of these places not to break you but to allow you to go through a test to prove you and to prove the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. And I, I believe that we have a way out according to scriptures, according to Corinthians. We have a way out. We don't always know what that is ahead of the game, but we have a way out. And so I want to encourage you today that you live positionally in your place as a son or daughter you carefully guard your heart not to tempt the Father, but you truly worship Him in spirit and in truth in the Word. And you have that Word ready as a defense. And you will be an overcomer, just as Jesus was. And the beauty is that the third defeat of the enemy, it says, the angels came. The angels came. There is always, there's always refreshing in God, regardless of the battle you go through. Joy comes in the morning. Let's stand. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. So grateful for the lessons we are able to extract from your word. So grateful that your son has proven not only that he is the son of God, but that he has authority over evil. Would you help us, Lord, in the battles that we are fighting, the battles that are being waged against us, the temptations that are coming upon us, that we are able to be overcomers, not just by the blood of the Lamb, the testimony of our lips, and the fact that we would not hold on to our own lives. I pray, God, that today Jesus is glorified through each and every one of us. And I pray that we leave here with new senses of strategy, new ways of combating the enemy. I pray that for those today who have been fighting and been losing time and time again, and it's a an ugly rehearsed story of their lives, God, that they today shift, that they make a, a change, that today they are new in this truth and in this revelation and that they are able to be overcomers and to overcome these particular battles that they have been, been um, hit with. I pray, Jesus, that you are glorified in each of our lives. Help us. We, we so much desire to live victorious. So let your word come alive in us today. Let us be sons and daughters whom you find very pleasing to yourself. And let us be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen.